On this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we have our first repeat guest in Rick Cox, and on this episode, we talk leadership. If you follow Rick on Twitter, um, he is consistently posting pictures of the books he's reading, the notes he's taking, uh, specifically when it comes to Jocko Willink um, and his Extreme Ownership series. Uh, Rick is very into leadership and owning what you can do to have your impact. Uh, Rick is one of those people I'm really fortunate that I got to connect with over Twitter and I'm looking forward to the day where we can potentially actually find a way to meet in person um, to just sit down and have a great chat about everything, leadership and otherwise. Um, I really enjoyed this episode. It follows up great to um, Austin and Greg interviewing me, so we really hope that you enjoy this one as well. Uh, as always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Please don't hesitate to reach out to them if they have something that you like, but you have an idea that could make it even better. They are more than happy to hear from you, and will do whatever they can to help um, advance and assist the profession of athletic training. But without further ado, enjoy this episode. episode of athletic training chat we have our first repeat guest um in rick cox from out in uh, massachusetts at suffolk uh, we have been trying to connect we were going to do a covid related one at one point um but then go figure uh, i had a kid and things all just fell apart in terms of the my the scheduling of my world but that is um well <laughs> needed at the time but then um rick is always on the topic of leadership and he posts a ton about it um highly recommend that you follow him on twitter uh just for the some of the stuff he puts out there but i really wanted to have this conversation about leadership um across the whole spectrum of just general leadership uh because that is just a topic that is so broad but then also really specifically in athletic training um as i think it's really important um, especially now, um, given COVID, we may not dive into that specifically, but I think a lot of what we're going to talk about can be applied to that. Um, so with that, I'm going to turn it over to Rick just to give a little bit more of a background, um, especially as it pertains to his own leadership and his interest in continuing to improve in that area. Well, thanks, Joel. I'm happy to be back. I actually, I didn't realize I'm the, the first repeat guest, so yeah, that's, I, that's quite an honor. There, there's a bunch of them that we're planning on probably going yeah. back to just because <laughs> worlds have changed and mm-hmm. topics are always relevant. So, yeah. Um, so I would say in terms of my leadership journey, it's, it's probably relatively new um, for me. I didn't really, it wasn't really something I studied uh, other than the past five years or so. I was just more focused on being a really good athletic trainer and you know I didn't know if, when I remember when I was an undergrad I, I thought I would be perfectly happy being you know just part of a staff um, and just doing doing a really good job and then uh, so I've been at several colleges one high school and then my you know my my previous college prior to Suffolk I was at Emmanuel College which is used to be a conference rival 
of Suffolk, um, but it, and it's right up the road it's in Boston as well. And I'd spent, you know, my first two years there were really great. And then I'd really started um, thinking about the fact that I wanted, that I wanted to do more and that I wanted to run a department. And I knew that leadership was incredibly important. So I, that's when I really started studying. It, it was probably, yeah, you know, four years ago. And then um, it's something that I, I just think is so important and I continue to read about it and I continue to try and improve my leadership ability and I'm not a perfect leader and I make mistakes and you know, I don't think anybody is a perfect leader, but I think the goal is to just try and always continue to get better as a leader. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like our, past to where we are kind of almost mirror each other where you know i thought just being a part of the staff working with my athletes um with the specific team i had was going to be what i wanted then the idea of being able to kind of run my own ship and you know help develop something and build something really was mm-hmm. enticing um and so i i hear you there and i'd be curious as we get into this a little bit more of your evolution because i know same thing for me it, really has shifted in the last couple of years where I didn't necessarily understand a bigger picture within the profession and how to work and treat and develop a staff or try to um, with that. But before we get into too much on the specifics, um, as I ask this question, I don't know that I have the perfect answer for it either, which is probably not great as being the one asking the question, but I'm curious as to what yours is, is how would you define leadership and or like being a leader? There are countless definitions out there um, across all different walks of life, but curious as to what, if you've kind of like settled on one kind of baseline one that you work off of. Yeah. So, I mean, this is obviously when I, you know, when this question came up, but this was one that I was like, I, I don't know if I have the perfect answer either, but really I think it's, leadership is getting a person or a group of people to accomplish a common goal. Um, and then within that, there's a spectrum of ways that you can, can do that. Um, you know, you, I'm, are you familiar, I'm sure you're familiar with personal power versus positional power. Yep. Yeah. So for anybody that doesn't know, positional power is you have authority over someone and they do what you tell them to do because they have to. And then personal power is power you have over someone and they'll do what they'll, what they want, what you want them to do because they, they want to. And even within that, I think there's a little bit of a spectrum too, because if you have personal power over someone, they might do what you tell them to do because they really believe in you and they really, really believe in what you stand for. And then really like the ultimate, in my opinion, is they do what they're, what you ask them to do because they really believe in the overall mission, right? Right. Mission is a strong word. I know it's very militaristic, but it's it's what it's what we do. You know, it's it's a goal, it's a mission. They're all synonymous. You know, you want to you want to get to the same place because you truly believe in what you're doing and what the team is doing. And I think that is sort of the ultimate goal as a leader is to get people to buy in and to accomplish the mission of the team because they truly believe it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I think you bring up a unique point there just with the position versus the personal power is like you don't necessarily need a position to be a leader. Like you don't have to be the head AT or whatever it may be 
to be a leader within whatever group you're in. Obviously, that helps if whoever your director head is is also a good leader in that regard. But um, even you know, you look at student pro, you know students with programs and whatnot. You can have leadership within there, and you don't have to have a dedicated position in order to maintain that. I totally agree, and that was one thing I wrote down when it was you know about um, a young person trying to become a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we leadership is is not a position; it's a, it's a mindset. And you know, there are things you can look at, like John Maxwell has a book, "Leading from the Middle." You know, so like you you can you can have personal power over people, even if you don't have positional power over people. And you know, again, I you know, you you always want to have personal power versus positional power because at a certain point, you know, if they leave. They don't have, you don't have positional power over them anymore. Kind of going a little bit deeper into like leadership definition. And if you haven't, not saying that everybody would need to go this way, like there's definitely leadership styles. Um, The more I've been going through the stuff, it seems, you know, there's transactional leadership, kind of a, you do this, this is what you're going to get. Transformational leadership seems to be one that can have the most effect if you can get it implemented Uh, very much kind of I believe similar to what you're saying in terms of getting people to back the idea the goal the mission whatever it may be have you personally kind of like dug into that and tried to see what type of leader you want to be or that type of leadership style so I think probably for me the biggest the biggest thing is is relationship building and that I think that's actually one of my strengths um, and then as a leader you know you you need to build relationships you know as Jacques says up and down the chain of command you mm-hmm. want people you want you want and you want to give and you want to have people trust you um, and the you know you have in order to gain trust you have to give trust. And so that, that's what I do for, is I try and, you know, I try and trust people and, you know, I pull the reins if necessary. Um, but really allowing people the freedom to do the things that they want to do as long as they are moving towards the same common goal of, you know, for us, it's, you know, being a great sports medicine department and building relationships with our student athletes and keeping them as healthy as we possibly can. Um, then I, I don't, I don't, I try not to be micromanaging and, you know, I allow, I allow, you know, my staff to do what they need to do as long as they're doing it in the right way. Sure. Um, in your opinion, and this will kind of dive into some more of the questions we have, are leaders born? Are they made? Or is it a healthy combination of both? What, what's your take on that one? Uh, I 100% believe that leadership is a skill that can be that can be developed, and I do think, like a lot of skills, like someone who like uh, someone can be born with a natural inclination. Like they might just have a personality that is infectious, and people gravitate towards them. Um, but that doesn't mean that the loudest person is the best leader. You know, it's yeah. something that I, I think it's something that you actively have to pursue in terms of an area of study. If you really truly want to become a leader, I don't think that, you know, there's just so many aspects to leadership that no one can just have them all. Um, 
so I, I, I believe it's, 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 it's sort of a combination, but I think even if you're, if you think that you're not a good leader, you can become one by, right. by study and by trial and error and by making mistakes and just getting better. And it takes time and it's hard. That's, that's, that's the biggest thing I think that some people don't quite realize. It's really, really hard. Yeah. And so this is going to be kind of a caveat to that is, you know, the trial and error thing you said, which I, I've been in my role for, this is year seven. Um, haven't, I would say probably within the last three to four years, finally started looking more at like the role as important for like leadership and not micromanaging or, you know, not just ex having expectations that I have set, but don't necessarily translate as well as I had hoped. And so I've kind of come back around again through the trial and error and curious as your thoughts of, you know, what is it as a leader? Is it trying to find people that kind of fit into your system or being willing to take the people that you are working with? Cause we don't always, you know, I don't know. I don't know how your staffing works out, but you may not have been able to hire your staff. You may have, when you got there, there was already staff there. And so what is the responsibility of the leader to adapt what they're trying to do from their leadership style to fit their staff or the people that they are leading? Well, I, I was lucky in the sense that I did assist in the in the hiring the rest okay. of the staff. You know, I, we, we went from a situation where there was one athletic trainer here for a really long time and then they wanted, and he retired and then they wanted to sort of, improve the entire athletic training department the department was growing the, the number of teams was increasing and they knew that it wasn't adequate to have one athletic trainer anymore so i got hired first and then i was involved in the hiring of the the rest of the staff um but i think really the the key is it, either way whether you get to bring someone in or whether you have to go into a situation where there's already staff in place you just you need to have standards and you need to know what they are and you know you need you just need to communicate that and you need to and if people can't get on board um i mean it just it, again it's it, it it takes time and it takes patience and you know if you truly believe in a certain standard then you you need to be patient with people and truly try and coach them and get them on board with 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 accomplishing that mission to that standard as well yeah, I think that's important and especially like identifying people's strengths mm -hmm. and what they're good at. I, that was something I've learned is I was trying to pigeonhole people into probably something that wasn't their best, the best use of their, you know, mindset or their skill set. And then just trying, taking a step back and finding either finding someone that I, is of the mindset that of what I needed at that specific thing, but then working with those others to go, okay, like this is what you're really good at. Let's leverage that to the hilt and make that a beneficial thing to our department. So you're happy. It's benefiting the overall greater good. And so everybody right. is generally living in a happier, <laughs> happier place because we're doing what we need to get done, both on a small scale and a larger scale. Right. And that's where that, that, that trust comes in, right? Cause mm -hmm. I mean, you might have, you know, you don't, it's the standard doesn't mean that you have to do it this exact way. It's just you need you need to do 
what you're supposed to do. And there can be multiple ways to accomplish that. And then, you know, you allow, as long as they're not doing, you know, they're, they're not acting inappropriately or they're not, you know, as long as they're meeting the standard, if they're doing it a little bit differently than how you do it, I mean, let it happen. So from your experience, and I know one of your things is going to be read a lot um, for this question, which is awesome. Um, how does one become a better leader? Um, and just, you know, what does that take in your experience? And you've already kind of touched on, you know, the evolution process, but if you could just dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, well, reading is important. You know, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. Um, I like that and, one. Yeah. So, so, and some people, you know, and it's, so that's a big thing, like learning from other leaders. And then and reading is one way, but, you know, there's so many mediums, videos, podcasts, whatever, right. but you need to at least be somehow engaging with a person who is in a leadership role and has had, has done what you want to do. Um, and also taking risks and making mistakes, right? That that's, that's how you improve as a leader. Um, and, and then also putting yourself in leadership roles, even without a title, like we were talking about before. Um, excuse me. So, so for anybody that's that, you know, you might not be able to become a head athletic trainer, but you can take on projects within your athletic training department and you can run those projects and then you're now responsible for them. I consider that a little bit, a little bit of leadership because you know, as long as you know, when you're not being micromanaged by the person that's above you, you are responsible for the results of that project. Um, and there's lots of ways that you can, you can put yourself in those positions. And the more you put yourself in those positions, the more experience you're going to gain and the better you're going to get. Um, and the big thing is like also like taking ownership when things that you things go wrong, right? Even it, so, if you try and put yourself on a project and it goes poorly, recognize that you know it was probably your fault if it was your project, and then but don't be discouraged to try and do something similar in the future because each time you do it, it should get a little bit easier, hopefully. Um, I I got enough couple follow-up questions so we're gonna go with the first one just because of you just mentioned it but then i want to come back to another one the ownership piece i think is huge and this is going to probably tie a little bit into you know kind of coming back to some of the stuff um with leadership and athletic training but how do you handle like taking that ownership and like being able to admit if something that you know you had implemented or you know, your staffing structure that you want to try may or may not have worked or the ownership of looking out for your staff, whatever it is there, like, how do you take ownership with that and, you know, make that hard decision? Because it's not easy to admit you did something wrong or that something failed. Like, that sucks. Like, that, that is not a fun thing for people to do. And a lot of people won't do it. It'll be, oh, well, it's because of so-and-so did it or, you know, the message didn't get across because they didn't read it where I'm fairly certain knowing the books that in the, one of the guys you like to follow, um, those aren't excuses for you, but if you could just elaborate on that. Totally. I mean, for the, anyone who was 
ever looked at any of my tweets knows that I'm a huge Jocko Willing fan. I've read Extreme Ownership multiple times. I'm actually currently going through it again, and I've been kind of highlighting a section of each chapter and putting it on putting it on Twitter like every couple of days. It's the book that I've gifted the most by far. I've probably bought it six times now because I either <laughs> gift it or I, or I loan it out, and the person just never gives it back. That's and then I. Yeah, so I so I do that, and then I don't even get mad about it. I'm like, I'll just buy, I'll buy another one because that if they don't if they want to keep it and they're they're learning from it, I'm I'm happy to have helped them in that. But the ownership part, you're uh, you're right. It's it's not easy. It's it's hard to admit that you're wrong, um, but it's necessary because you cannot cast blame. You as the leader are ultimately responsible. Even if someone that's below you in the chain makes a mistake, it's still your fault, right? Because you didn't communicate to them what you wanted done and the way you wanted it done. And then and then that's the problem people have is like, well, I wasn't even there. And it's like, no, but you are truly responsible for that person if they are below you in the chain of command, whether you like it or not. Um, so if they make a mistake, it's you, you need to, to recognize that, hey, I did something wrong in order for that mistake to happen because either I didn't truly communicate the standard or I didn't, you know, I didn't let them know how important it was for them to do a certain thing or act a certain way. And then at the end of the day, you just need to recognize that you, you are ultimately responsible always. And that's the whole, that's the whole idea of extreme ownership. Um, and if everybody acts that way, then it just it things things get solved and problems get solved and things get better. Um, but you obviously have people, athletic trainers and otherwise, who who can't really handle that. Uh, and I'll I'll be the first to admit that I was totally that way in the oh, past. God. You know, you know, a hundred percent. Like <laughs> I, I story we had my my first year uh, at Suffolk. There was a situation where you know, we had one of our athletes in our doctor's clinic and the doctor saw whatever she saw and wanted to send him to the ER uh, to get something checked out. And I was in the weight room with basketball. Like my coworker was in the clinic, but he had a volleyball game. And then we, we handled this situation really poorly. And not to this, not, not because the kid got injured or he, there was something that really bad that happened. It was just Neither one of us thought to let the coach know that one of his players was going to the ER. We, like he, he didn't have anybody really. He was a freshman, and he really yeah. and the, like the ER is right across the street, basically. But we nobody we didn't really communicate having an upperclassman go with him or have one of us go with him. And then the next day, uh, the the coach called me, and I kind of casually answered the phone because I didn't even think about it, and he kind of tore into me. And all I could really say was, "We messed up." And we made a mistake. And I think when I was younger and less confident and less experienced, I probably would have started li listing off a litany of excuses why it wasn't my fault. And oh, I, sure. I wasn't with them. You know, I thought Nick was going to tell you. Like, you know, I definitely can admit that I probably would have done that. And I think I have done that in the past. And you know, and at the end of the day, the nice thing was, as soon as I said, "Yeah, we messed up. This won't happen again." Like that was, it was kind of like, okay, great. You know, mm -hmm. and, that, and that's the big thing is like, I think when people are expecting you to give them a litany of excuses and you just straight up take ownership, 
it's it, it, their respect for you increases, right? Because well, it diffuses the situation so quickly. One hundred percent. That's one of the. If you haven't read it, you probably would like this one on uh, Dale Carnegie: How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm-hmm. That's like yeah. one of. That's like straight up out of the book. Is <clears throat> just admit you were wrong and get it over with, and you can bypass a lot of that. Right, and then because you know, then then if you come back and you're like, oh well, this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And it, and then you know he it probably the probably conversation probably would have gone a lot longer. He probably would have yelled at me more, and nothing would have been accomplished. Right. You know, and that and that's and that's one thing that you know that's important too when it comes to leadership is every conversation you have should the goal should be to improve the relationship with the person that you're talking to, mm-hmm. um, and that's also hard, right? Especially if you're in a situation where they made a mistake or they're coming at you for something, you know, we, we all, you know, we've had coaches that are not happy with the decisions that we make sometimes when it comes to their, to their players, their players participation. And if, if it's just them coming at you and you going back at them, then they leave and you're mad and they're mad and nothing actually got accomplished in, right. the, in the conversation. So while it's challenging, cause you are like, well, I'm the medical professional. What do you know? And they're like, well, you're too soft. Like the kid just needs to be able to, to, to rub some dirt on it and go. Um, no, no, nothing's improved. And the kid is still probably going to be out. And the coach is probably going to be mad at you the next time you have to interact with them. So it's, it's the, one of those skills that takes a lot of practice and a lot of patience and like recognizing that like you can't fly off the handle. You got you to actually work on accomplishing something in the conversation and improving the relationship. You keep saying all these great things that I keep coming up with more questions. So um, we're just going to keep hammering through it. So first on that, <clears throat> how important to you is that self-reflection? Because that is something that I don't, and that ties right into kind of the second part of the question is, you know, I'm mean, guess for you, it's really important because you reflected on, you know, just from that story, you reflected on what didn't go well, you owned up to it. Um, and then ultimately made it better. Um, but that's not always the case with the counterparty, a coach, an athlete, you know, where you may have lived up fully to your end of the thing. They didn't. They're still pissed about it, but they don't want to self-reflect. So, A, how, you know, how important is it to have that? And, B, in that situation where maybe – you know you've done all that you legitimately can do, but the other person's not willing to kind of bring up their side of the table. How do you work around that? Because I think there's a lot of athletic trainers that run into that on a daily basis and is a huge source of frustration. Yeah. Well, I mean, the self-reflection is massively important, right? Every situation, whether it be good or bad, you should be at some point later on uh, evaluating why it was good or why it was bad and how you can either improve upon it, how you can improve upon it. Even if it was, even went well, how can it go better? Um, and if it didn't go well, what could I have said, excuse me, that maybe would have made it go well instead of going so and going so poorly. And as far as the other, the other party in the conversation, you can't control what they're going to do. Um, I think, you know, in, in times of when, when it's not so heated, you can maybe try going up and having a conversation with them and, and not 
in an accusatory way saying, well, you need to really start reflecting on, on what the conversations we have. Cause we know that's not going to go well, but you know, just go up and start a conversation and, you know, talk about leadership in general and, and bring up these things. And so maybe you can start to kind of plant the seeds. Um, and you know, or do this do in like everyone I've gifted the book to it's not because I was like you're a bad leader you need to figure this out and this book is going to make you improve as a leader but like just like you know start talking about it and just you know the things that you want them to do don't bring it up in an accusatory way but when you know if you're having a casual conversation just bring it up and see what their reaction is and some at a at the end of the day like if they're just not a good leader and they just won't take accountability there's nothing you can do right. to make them change and improve it's just not possible um so i guess at the end of the day really sometimes sometimes you just have to be like look i'm a medical professional you're not like th th this is this is what it is and hopefully you're in a situation where the administration backs you as the medical professional. I'm very lucky in that regard right. that I have an AD who recognizes my skill set and my expertise and that of the rest of our staff. And, you know, a coach cannot go over my head to get a, a decision changed that I made. Um, and that, and I, I you know, I, I have more confidence knowing that I can do that, but that's, that's never, you know, I, I never want to be like, well, you know, there's nothing you can do about it because I'm a medical professional. That's just sure. doesn't help. No. You know, so at the end of the day, I think you can try and just try and just communicate more and then you can try it different ways, right? If you're, if you're going to have to work with this person daily and then you try and have a conversation one time and you're just like, I can't get through to him. Like how, again, how have you, how have you improved that relationship by trying one time? And then especially if you go in and try and accuse him of being a poor leader and not having the ability to self-reflect, um, that's nothing, nothing got accomplished. Yeah. I think you hit on a key point that, you know, is good for everybody to do kind of constantly is, you know, really make sure your own ducks are in a row and that, you know, and you're in the kind of tying it back to the ownership piece that, you know, you have gone and exhausted, you know, everything you can to make your side of the, that conversation as good as it can be given the situation you're in. Um, and the more you can have absolute faith in that because you've tried to pick it apart and reflect and, you know, do it on your own, even if they don't agree with you, you know, you are operating at the highest standard that you possibly can given the situation that you're in. Uh, I think that is huge to just help a with those conversations, because even if they don't agree with it, you can walk away knowing that you did everything you could and tried to, you know, get it done in terms of everything. Um, I think that's, that's big. It is. And, and so, dumb, so one of the biggest things is be really good at your job, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's <laughs> really, self -critical. really critical. Like, yeah, and just, you know, be a good, you know, talking athletic training, obviously be a good athletic trainer. And, you know, so that way you can gain the confidence of, if you can't get it on, gain the confidence of that coach, you can maybe gain the confidence of the other coaches and then, that can be the it kind of a workaround. Be like, you know, the rest of the coaches are like, "Hey, Rick's actually really good at what he does. Maybe you should listen to him and not fight with him so much." Sure. Um, you know, and then, and then if you're in a situation where you don't have the support of the admin, 
uh, it, it's hard, but like maybe that's just a position you need to leave, right? Because yep. if you're if you're if you're at work, like you, you might love what you do every day, but if you don't have the confidence of the people above you, and your your decisions keep getting overridden, that's hard. You know, even if you know it's the right decision, and it just it just keeps the, then the coach can just go to the AD and say, well, I actually want this person. And the AD is like, you have to let him play. That's you know, that's a that's never a position I would ever want to be in, and. As hard as it is to say, just leave your job. Um, that's sometimes the answer. Yep. Kind of circling all the way back um, to you know becoming a better leader and the different things. Um, there are. I, I wish I knew the actual number. Endless and countless numbers of leadership books out there. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, if I swung my computer around right now, you could see just my. If they're not all leadership books, but there's enough in there yeah. um how do you personally balance you know all the different leadership things well yes we know you're a huge fan of jocko um and you consume everything he's put out i also know i mean you already referenced another book in here already and i know that you're not just reading jocko and that's the only thing that you're laser focused on um so how do you balance all the different things because there are so many different you know, gurus or systems or the different things out there when it comes to being a leader. Right. And the, the, actually the nice thing is, you know, Jocko will be the first to tell you that he didn't come up with any of these principles that are sure. extreme. Right. There are some universal truths when it comes to being a good leader. Um, and Jocko is just the way that it really hit home for me. And what really set, kind of kick-started my journey into becoming a better leader. But if you don't like the phrasing of extreme ownership, I think everybody recognizes that casting blame is not being a good leader. You know, that, and then if, you know, sometimes that language is a little aggressive in extreme ownership, but like you get the principle. Um, so that's, so like a, a lot of times, like you might be reading a book from whatever, it's like Jocko versus John Maxwell. And a lot of times they're saying the same thing because being a good leader, there are some things that all good leaders do. They just phrase it a little bit differently. So I, I mean, I, and I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've read every single leadership book. It's just not possible, but I do try and I try and find out what, who, who are generally considered uh, a good leader. And when I hear them speak or when I read something by them online, if it really resonates with me and I think I really want to be like that person, then I'll start consuming their, their information. So like, I really, I'm a big Simon Sinek fan as yep. well. Um, start with why leaders eat last. Um, those that's, you know, and I listen to his, listen to his podcast. Um, so it's just really, it, there's so much out there. Um, I'm also a big fan of, of Ryan holiday and, uh, yep. and the stoic philosophy. Um, that's something I've more, even more recently gotten into. Um, Marcus Aurelius and meditations is, is really, really big for me. Cause that's something that, you know, if you want to talk about a leader, Marcus Aurelius was the leader of basically the free world when he was the leader of Rome back in, you know, 2000 years ago, while, while he was fighting these massive wars in the middle of a pandemic, right? The Antonine plague was happening all the time and this was back when like if if someone wanted to usurp power they just murder people like that happened all the time right. right it's not you know so he was a leader for a long time so he and then so 
there's so many different avenues, but I think in general, it kind of comes down to a lot of the same principles because that's just how you are a good leader. I like it. Yeah. I like the idea of like you get your kind of framework and then for me, you know, Oh, I heard something really interesting there. I think that would fit nicely here. It's still within, I do the same thing with, you know, athletic training skills. Like I kind of got my general principles that I'm always kind of trying to rework. But if I pick out, you know, it's a specific exercise or another technique and it kind of drops into what fits, doesn't mean I jump all in. Because right. if any one thing worked, we'd all be doing it. But that's not how it is. And so you can kind of pick and choose what makes most sense to you. Right. Um, so how do you lead not only in the departments you oversee um, in athletic training and then I can't remember if you – is it, it might just be you with strength and conditioning, uh, but you're still working with the coaches as we were just talking um, off recording. So a, you know, leading within those groups. So people that are, you know, underneath you in the technical sense in terms of that, but also just within your athletic department in general. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so I am the strength coach. One of my coworkers, is taking his CSCS, I think, next month. Um, so hopefully he'll be joining me with that credential and he'll start working with, with teams as well. Um, but, you know, I think when you're, what you're talking about is leading up and down the chain of command, right? You want to have – but and, and at the end of the day, it's the same idea. You need to create relationships, right? You need to be you, – and you just you need to um, – foster those relationships you need to set a standard that you stick to and then you need to communicate that and that's the biggest thing is communicating um with the people above you and the people below you i remember my first job when i was fresh out of grad school i worked there for two years i probably talked to the ad three times in two years it just wasn't a relationship that i had created um and now I talk to my AD every single day, practically, you know, and it's in, you know, and because of that, he is, I, th I believe he has, he has garnered a huge amount of trust in me because he knows what I do. He knows that I do it well. Um, and it, it's the same, and I, and I don't have the same relationship with every single one of my coaches. I mean, I have better relationships with some, I have not, right. not, not that I don't have, I don't have bad relationships. I just, they're not as strong. Right. Um, I don't, cause I don't necessarily work with their athletes every day. I don't see them all the time, but I think that's the number one thing you have to do is actively pursue and try to improve relationships. And again, like I said, every time you talk to someone, the goal should be to improve their relationship in some way. Um, which again is really, really hard sometimes. Um, even if you don't like the person, right? If you don't like the person, you still have to have a relationship with them because you work together. Um, and so you need to foster a, a trying to foster a positive relationship. Um, because at the end of the day, like, if you don't like them, but they still, you still work with them and you're still going to be making decisions that affect them. Um, then you need to have at least some positive relationship or else it's just going to be adversarial all the time. Um, and then at the end of the day, like I said, you need to just be really good at your job. Um, 
as best as you can and try to constantly improve as, as an athletic trainer um, and as a leader. Cause I mean, I'm constantly, constantly asking myself, am I doing a good job leading my staff? Like what, mm-hmm. what could I be doing differently? What could we be doing more of? Um, do they feel that I'm leading them? Well, do they feel that I trust them? Um, because I do. And I think that they do think that we we don't, I don't think we have enough conversations about it as a staff. And that's something yeah. that I think we improve upon is discussing it regularly. Um, and so I think that the, the number one thing, whether you're trying to get a relationship with your assistant AT or an AT student or your athletic director who is three levels above you is you need to actively pursue a relationship. Yeah, I think that's such a key point and you touched on it with the, you know, you may not, you guys, they may not like you, you may not really like them, you may not get along, but you can't assume that they're going to come to you to develop that relationship. And so if you really want to do this thing, you know, really well, it's going to be on you as much as that's not fun. Um, and even as you say that, I just, I'm reflecting on all the ones that I know I need to do, um, and how hard and much I don't want to do them, but ultimately that's what it comes down to. Cause it's easy to go work with the ones that you get along with and it's a fun time. Like that, that's easy. That's the good stuff. Um, but yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then I think it, if you have a poor relationship with someone or you work with someone that you don't like why why don't you like them is it because like your first interaction was poor and you just wrote it off as oh that person's an asshole and i don't you know they're not you know or like have you what have you done to sure. try and make a relationship better and look i'm i know it some coaches i'm i'm lucky i, I work with mostly great coaches throughout my whole career right there are some coaches they're just not good people and as much and you can do all the work in the world and they're not gonna they're not interested because straight up they just have a poor opinion of athletic trainers because we take their athletes away from them yeah and this and then you know unfortunately either no one has ever tried to change their mind or they're just they're not interested in changing their mind and but i think that those are at least in my experience pretty few and far between um and i think most people you can if you actually try you can improve your relationship with a person. It's not all, and it doesn't mean you can make it great all the time. You can have a good relationship with someone and you can still have an issue with them occasionally. But if you, again, if right. you have a problem and then you, you figure out what the problem was and then you try and improve the relationship the next time you talk to them, then overall you can have a good relationship with pretty much everybody. Yeah, I, I hear you there. That's also just thinking back to all the interesting interactions I've had over my own career with different coaches. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now not nearly as afraid to call them on some of those things, which I think we may get here in a second. Um, that So just kind of speaking more broadly, um, and this is something that I've gotten really interested in just within the last year and a half um, with kind of getting back into a, some school uh, but it's also just kind of been more eye-opening as I've evolved in my career, is what challenges do you see in, in regards to leadership when it comes to athletic training? 
in just the profession in general, obviously, um, both you and I can speak to, you know, division three athletics pretty well, just cause we've been in it for a while. Um, so maybe we kind of keep it specific to that, or I- I'm open to that, but, uh, what challenges do you see facing athletic trainers and really maybe how do they go about improving that? So I think the, the, some of the major challenges can be, um, if you're not a good communicator and if you don't have a lot of confidence um it's really hard to be a leader because you know if you don't if you don't have the ability to to set your standard and live that standard um then it then that's that's a major challenge so when again when it comes to coaches you know i'll be the first to admit i wasn't always confident in in interacting with them and it was very much like if they were gonna try and intimidate me it it definitely worked occasionally. Um, but you know, I think that that can be a challenge is when a coach who is in this position of authority and is used to giving orders comes and talks to you as an athletic trainer. If you don't have the confidence in your abilities and you don't have the confidence to go back at them and tell them why you made the decision you made, that's, that's really hard. Um, and I think it's, one of the things that it comes to like in terms of being a leader in the profession among ourselves is we can be really petty um, as athletic trainers. You know, I just think of all the stupid nonsense that people bring up on social media and it's, it literally doesn't matter. Um, but so, so, so some people, again, like they just, you're not, you're not going to reach them. And hopefully at some point they can recognize that the bigger picture we need to, to work to improve relationships among each other and we need to improve relationships with the, the people above us in the profession. Um, I think, but I think the biggest thing is just people need to learn to, again, the ownership piece is huge, but communicating is one of the biggest challenges I think people have. They're not as good of a communicator as they think they are. Um, and it's, 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 again, it's one of those skills that you absolutely can learn. Um, but it's, it's one of the hardest ones, especially if you are working with trying to communicate with someone who was also not a good communicator and used to getting their way. Yeah, it, man, you bring up so many good points there. You know, back to your athletic training one, I, I agree with you. You know, what's the bigger picture? Uh, that's an opinion I've had for a while is, you know, the profession itself, like we want to improve and grow, but we can't get out of our own way half the time because we're so stuck on some things that in the long run, is it really going to make a difference? And I know you got to sweat the small stuff to some degree, but then to your point of communication, and I've had this, I've looked at it not only from like a coach to athletic trainer relationship, but also an athletic trainer to an athletic trainer. Like I think there's a difference in the communication process of asking questions versus questioning and how you phrase things and how you come about things. Like there's asking questions out of general curiosity and wanting to understand. And then there's like, well, you said something and now I'm questioning everything you just said and trying to prove a point and you're immediately gonna get people to shut down because they are, they're gonna react negatively to that because now you're calling them out. And to, that, to your communication point, I think that's, especially from a lot of what I've seen also on the social medias um, is the root of a lot of problems is we can't ask questions because they're coming as you're questioning somebody's general knowledge or whatever it may be. 
Well, I agree. I think you, I, you know, you bring up a great point versus asking questions versus questioning. Cause it's like, what, what are you trying to accomplish when mm. you ask a question? Are you trying to genuinely gain knowledge or are you trying to prove that you're better? Um, and trying to make the, make the other person look wrong. Right. Um, because that's, I think some people do that, right? They, they have, you know, if, you know, if you, if you have a certain treatment or, you know, mindset about a certain thing and someone else disagrees, like it's, it's hard sometimes to have a conversation about it with those, per, with those people, because their goal is not to, is not to have a, a, a conversation. Their goal is to make them look better than you. Right. Yeah. And I think to some degree, like I kind of referenced earlier, there's, there's no one thing that works. Like I've seen the taping conversation come up again. Um, I've read a lot of the literature. I know that it's not as effective as it is, but I completely understand the side of people, you know, that it's a, their time to connect with an athlete. And I get that. I, we don't do a lot of taping. We can't afford it. Even if we could afford it, I'd probably spend that money on a lot of other things. Um, I, in my opinion, but there are times and places where we, we, where we'll do it. And again, if evidence-based medicine fixed everything, I don't know how much actual stuff we would be doing because I feel like so much of it can be contradictory. Like we're just going to sit there and stare at the person and tell them to do a couple exercises. And that's about as deep as it gets, but we, we, it's okay for us to, do the different soft tissue things and you know i don't use a lot of ice but if somebody wants an ice bag because it makes them feel good am i is it really doing anything that's part of it right so yeah i'm with you and that and i you know and obviously there are some people that would come in and they would tell you that not only is it not beneficial it's actually detrimental and sure i I mean fine you 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 can reference I, i you can reference you can find me an article that says that and I can find an article that says the opposite, you know? Absolutely. Um, I, I think that's so many people lose sight of like the, the, the all three prongs of evidence based yes. practice. They lose that, that anecdotal patient values piece. Right. Yep. And they lose they They forget that experience piece. And then it's just strictly what does the literature say? And they think that's evidence-based practice. And it's just, it's just not. You're right. Yeah. I think that's the hard part. And I even got on that a little bit until I did a little bit more deep dive is like, to me, when people say evidence-based medicine, it is, they're talking specifically about the literature, evidence-based continuum, the evidence-based tripod, um, evidence influenced practice, where you just hit on those other two prongs of the whole thing, I think are so important. And, I also make the argument to people is how are you going to do research if you don't experiment with it first? <laughs> well, we right. would never do anything new because we wouldn't, right. we wouldn't be willing right. to try anything. So, right. You know, but, and that, but it's just, yeah, it's again, any, and we all know this, like you can find evidence to support whatever argument you want to make. Yes. It, al- it always exists. Yep. So kind of the last question I had around leadership, and this is, I'm going to be perfectly honest, this is a selfish one, and I'm just curious as to what your take is on it, is, you know, looking at, you know, you're at a D3 school, how many athletes do you have, give or take? Oh, about 300. You know, so you've got a staff of three, correct? hmm So 
knowing how busy that can be um, in and of itself, no matter, I don't, you don't have football, correct? Oh, thank God. <laughs> so that helps a little <laughs> bit, um, but yeah. still, but still, yeah. it, it, it's plenty busy. How do you, as a leader, maintain a high level of service, yet maintain some sort of work-life flow? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about work-life balance necessarily, but you know, kind of keep some things in check in that regard. Um, you know, and then just keep making sure your staff is able to do that. You know, I'm a new dad Um, that is changing my, I knew it was going to change my mindset. I've been preparing for it um, of how I approach the hours compared to what I did when I first got the job where I didn't have a wife Mm -hmm. and I was, all I had to worry about was the dog. Um, So how have you kind of seen that and taken that and tried to, best kind of lead your group in those in kind of balancing all of those things well i mean i'll go right back to another jocko quote and he says all the time discipline equals freedom um and basically what that means is the for the way that i take it is whatever you want money time anything the less you the less you waste of it the more of it you will have. Um, and also, you know, one of the keys is they talk about prioritize and execute, right? You need to find times, you know, you, you look at what's most important and you get that done and you don't waste any time in between. And I am, will be the first to tell you, I am not perfect at this. There is plenty of time that I waste, um, but I'm trying to improve, you know, and if you think about that, like what, what's most important right now, and then you also have to recognize that work is not always the most important thing, right? Like being home, being having time for yourself and your family is oftentimes the most important thing. And, you know, I think we need to kind of get out of this mindset that, you know, I think I, I put this out and I think it was, you know, Jeremy Jackson said, you know, replied to a tweet that talked about how, you know, he thinks that so many people think that, working harder means working more and i and i agree with him i think a lot of people think that and it's not it's not it's not always the case you know like because i think i i think i put that prioritize and execute to a reply on on twitter and you know and i said the part of the prioritize is prioritizing things outside of work you know when it's when it's time to, to to do something else then do that um which is again so hard for people right you just like they can't leave work at work and they come home and they're constantly thinking about it and I've been that way and sometimes I still am that way, you know, but that doesn't make you a better or worse athletic trainer. If you come home, it's just sometimes it leads to, to issues. Um, so I try and do my best to make time for development of my leadership development of myself as a clinician. Um, and just kind of adopting that discipline equals freedom mindset by wasting as little amount of time as, as I possibly can. I like it. Um, anything else you want to cover leadership wise before we jump into the slightly modified AT chat questions? Uh, I think the number one thing is just how hard it is, right? It's if you want to do it well, it, it takes a lot of work um, and it takes practice and it's, but it's also the most important thing. 
I think, right? If you if you can do it well, even if you even if you you think you've mastered it, you're wrong. Like there's there's you're gonna come up against a new person um, who's gonna who's who you're gonna have to change your the way you communicate with them. You know, it's always it's always evolving, um, yep. but it's 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 worth it. Agreed. So, um, again, slightly modified questions. Where do you see athletic training leadership going in the next five to 10 years? Um, and kind of set the example on that. Uh, well, honestly, I think, I think it's, I think it's going to continue. It's, it's going to improve. Right. I think, especially with social media, I think the people in terms of, especially the NATA, they want more out of the NATA. You know, there's been obviously so much coming out with, with COVID and with, you know, uh, you know, social and social injustice and things. And people are calling out the NATA being like, where's, what's -hmm. your stance on this? Like they want more and they want people to lead. Um, so I think, excuse me, the young, you know, the younger athletic trainers, the young professionals, I think that they're recognizing that things need to get better. And I would really hope that they'll, they'll study, leadership in whatever form they want. It doesn't have to be Jocko. I know people don't like, some people are turned off by Jocko. He's not for everybody, but just find the, find a way that the principles of good leadership resonate with you and then try and, you know, try and get, try and get involved. Like I, I've not yet been involved in a leadership position in my, in my district. I've applied for, for positions or a position so far. And I'm just kind of waiting till one, that I'm interested in comes open. And I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely going to take that, take on that role if, if I'm lucky enough to be selected to do it. Um, and I think that's important too, is we can't, is you have to get involved in some way and you have to keep talking about leadership and you need to keep questioning yourself and what others are doing. What advice would you go back and give yourself as a younger athletic trainer and tell us, you know, when that is, you know, that you, you know, in looking to become a leader or at least some to demonstrate some leadership in their current setting? Yeah, I I think I probably would have started reading about it earlier um, because that's just so important to me is all the reading that I do, but also, I used to consume books just to say that I consumed them, right? I would just right. read them and be like, yeah, I read that. Um, so to become like a better active reader early, I think is what would be something that like really truly when you read a book, like what is it that you were able to take away? Sure. Not just the fact that you finished it. Um, and also just don't be hard on yourself if things you know, if, if things don't go wrong, like I remember before I, I got this current job about a year before, um, you know, there was a, there was a, a head AT assistant AT position open at another school and I didn't, and I didn't apply for it initially. Cause I wasn't quite sure if I was, if I was ready to make that move. Um, and then I, I, I waited like a month and it was still posted. So I reached out to the AD and asked if they were still looking for applicants. And she said, no, we already filled the position. And I was so angry with myself. Like I berated myself because I was like, how you didn't even try. Um, so, but again, that's a risk that I wasn't willing to take at the time. And I mean, I, ultimately I'm, I'm, you know, it led to me 
getting to where I am now, which is, which I'm super happy with, but, um, you know, I wasn't always willing to take those risks because I didn't really understand what it meant, um, to, to, to be in a position where I had to be responsible for other people. And I think that I would have tried to, to learn that a little bit earlier. Well said. Uh, what is the most influential resource you have found in your career when it comes to being a leader? Uh, that would be Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Um, you know, and again, I've seen some people who don't who don't like the way that he presents it because whatever it is, the military aspect turns him off or he just seems too intense. And I get that. But He's very straightforward. Me, which sometimes oh, yeah. can be a nice Super. kick in the butt. Yeah, yeah, and he'll straight up like you know, and like sometimes <laughs> when he he does a lot on his podcast, he does a lot of Q and As, and I think a lot of times people they'll write in these questions and they'll they'll just expect. So many people ask questions hoping that people will just respond that they're doing the right thing. Sure, and he he's not interested in that at all. Like it, it, he'll he'll just straight up tell you like you you should have done it another way. Right. Um, which is hard for people, it's hard for people to hear. Um, <laughs> but his, yeah, extreme ownership was the one thing that I read that. And cause I've always been a fan of, you know, you know, military literature and Navy SEALs, you know, in general, it's just been an interest of mine. Um, mm-hmm. and then I came across the book first and then I discovered his podcast. Um, but that was what really truly clicked with me was like, this is what you need to do to be a leader. You need to take ownership of everything. You need to uh, foster relationships with everybody around you. All of these principles are in his book. Um, and so there's, he has that one. And then after that, he wrote another book called the dichotomy of leadership because people had a lot of questions about, you know, can you go too far with extreme ownership? Can you go too far? And the answer is yes. And so the dichotomy is he basically goes through all the principles and talks about how you can, you know, you sometimes you need to go a different direction. Right. And then lastly, he wrote uh, leadership strategies and tactics, which essentially the way I'd like to tell people is read extreme ownership first, because it gives you that foundation and it, it, it just introduces you to all the principles and then leadership strategy and tactics. He goes through specific examples um, in certain situations on how to handle them. Um, and it doesn't have to be, it, it, they're applicable to any profession, really, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you do. If you want to be a leader, you have to, you know, you have to accomplish these same goals of creating relationships and taking ownership and, and helping each other, helping out your team. Um, and that doesn't change whether, whether you're an athletic trainer or whether you're something completely different. Yep. I'm sure. Um, it's like, a I haven't, that one I haven't read yet, but I'm sure that, you know, it's almost like a template where again, there's no ever like a cookie cutter for every situation, but if you at least have something to like base it off of, you can then kind of tweak and adjust given, you know, the scenarios and that I will add to my ever expanding book list. Um, yeah, and, and that's exactly right. It's not, it's not like, cause you can't obviously, cover every exact scenario, but it's sure. sort of more general. Like you're dealing with, you're dealing with a, a, a person that's, you know, you need something from them and they're being adversarial. How right. do you handle that situation? And that could, again, that could apply to pretty much anywhere sure. where, where two people are in a, in some sort of relationship. If you could change or eliminate one thing 
you know, a common practice you've seen or a mindset in leadership, um, just in the field in general, what would it be? Um, I would say um, the, the idea that we need to have this. So one of my favorite lines uh, from Simon Sinek is leadership is not being in charge. It's taking care of the people in your charge. Um, that, so, one. that one is yeah. unreal and hard hitting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, and that, and that's what it is. Like the, a leader is not the loudest person right? The, you, you know, you see all these hype videos or whatever, and you've got coaches or you've got athletes that can, can get everybody all jacked up. And that doesn't mean that they're a good leader because they're loud. And they get people excited, right? Like mm -hmm. leadership, you need to have this idea that you need to take care of the people that are underneath you. That's your goal as a leader. You need to, they, the, the mission needs to get accomplished, but at the same time, you need to be looking out for the people that work for you and work with you. Yeah, that one, I remember that one, and that one was a very eye-opening one for me in just looking at my staff and just what their hours looked like and what the demands were on them and were we actually treating them fairly in their expectations and could we go and rework some things to just leverage it better to make it just a better situation for everyone. And that one, that one was definitely – Hit me right between the eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what does being a leader in an athletic training department and just in the field in general, as you know, you're continuing to look to take those next steps? What does that mean to you? Uh, it means it means basically you know just setting a standard and you know living up to that standard. Um, and I'm again, I'm still working on this. I'm still trying to figure out what exactly my standard is i have more ideas of what it's not than what it actually is um but you need to you know and also as far as the people that below you you need to you need to give them freedom um within this within the confines of the standards um to to do things the way that they want to do it as long as they're they're doing they're accomplishing the mission that we that we have set as a department um and also you need to hold people accountable Right. Like that's that as a leader. And that's hard. Like sometimes it's hard. It's, it's hard to have difficult conversations, especially with people that you like and you don't. And if they if they made a mistake, you need to be able to have a hard conversation with them. Because, again, it's it, it, it should improve the relationship, even if you're in. And it's not a, you know, you're not ever scolding, you know, but it's you know, you need to if someone makes a mistake, it's fine. You need to recognize that the mistake was made, but it needs to be addressed. And it needs to, to, you know, you need to do your best to not make that, make that mistake again. Um, and then I think, sort of, I think it's John Maxwell talks about like in his, the five levels of leadership, like the fifth level is the fifth level of a leader creates more leaders. Um, and that's something that I'm still working on as well. I mean, I, we don't, we don't have any AT students right now. We were, <coughs> excuse me, we were supposed to partner with a, school the last year or so and things happened and then COVID happened. So obviously we're not having any AT students, but that's something mm -hmm. that, yeah, yeah, that's something that once we get past all this and we can start having, we can be a clinical site for, for and have athletic training students. That's something I really want to try and, and push is making sure that they recognize that it's more than just your clinical responsibility. It's that you need to try and become a leader yourself. I like it. 
Um, I mean, we covered a ton, uh, which I figured we would and is awesome. Um, and I know we could probably continue this thing for much longer, um, specific situations and so on and so forth, but, um, and the respect for everything and my 30,000 emails, I guess, and related to COVID still, um, anything else you wanted to share around the topic of leadership and then in kind of closing, if people wanted to follow you, cause you do post a lot of really good stuff, a lot of insightful stuff. Where can they do that? Um, Yeah, so I think I'll just reiterate the fact that leadership is really, really hard, but it's also really, really important Um, because whatever problems you have, it generally comes down uh, to leadership and, you know, poor leadership decisions versus good leadership decisions. Um, And and also, I want to say again, you don't need to be in a leadership-specific position to be a leader you can always try and create leadership opportunities for yourself. Uh, and that's also really important when it comes to how do you become a better leader? You do, you put yourself in positions where you need to be, where you need to lead and you, you make mistakes and you learn and you, and you, the more often you do that, the more, the easier it's going to get and the more naturally it's just going to occur. And then people are going to start to recognize that you make that, that you are a good leader. And then hopefully when an actual leadership position uh, becomes available, you'll be able to jump all over and you'll have the confidence to say, hey, I, can, I know I can do this because I've done it so many times before at, at, a, at a lower level. And then uh, as I'm probably most active, uh, Instagram is strong rams. That's more of like the, uh, the strength and conditioning part of our department. Um, and then I, I do post some leadership stuff there. Um, and then uh, Twitter is uh, at Suffolk underscore AT. And that's where I do, I post a lot of um, leadership stuff on there, whether it be stuff from Jocko, stuff from Simon Sinek, you know, or whatever I happen to be reading at the time. Like if something resonates with me, I'll put it out there because hopefully it'll help somebody else. For sure. And we'll be sure to link all those up for everybody to be able to find it easily. So Awesome. Well, man, this was awesome. I appreciate you taking the time. Glad we got to reconnect um, and do this. I'm sure there will be a third one at some point in the in the future. So I'm looking forward to that when we get to it. Yeah, same, man. Thanks for having me back on. And uh, you know, we probably could go for another hour just talking about leadership stuff. But uh, if you we know. ever get back to a convention option where we can actually like sit down and have a barley pop and discuss some things, I- I'm looking forward to it. Love it, man. Me too. All right. Appreciate it. You got it.